6: And welcome to First Strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we are going to break down all things UFC 269 gambling related. Oh my goodness, what a fight card we have Saturday night right here in Las Vegas. Obviously, when you have two title bouts on this card, it's going to get heavily wagered on. We expect to see a lot of action coming in here in the next 24 hours as we get ready for the last pay-per-view of the year here in the UFC. We've got former champions on this card like Dominic Cruz. Uh, Cody Garbrandt as well. Popular fighters like Tai Tuivasa and the return of the Sugar Show showing on Malley. So we're going to break down all of those things in the next hour coming up here. Nick Likas is standing by. Lou Finnecaro, Jordan Sherwood, and of course, Ricardo Lamas, who used to fight At 145 pounds, one of the best in the world. So without further ado, let's get to the man that sets the numbers right here at Circa that we all try to figure out. I know I try to figure out. Nick does a great job with that. Nick Leak is joining us once again. So, Nick, look, I, I can't even contain my excitement when you have a card like this. And I said to you before we started the show, I have so many strong convictions about this. And I know I'm going to be wrong. I just don't know where yet. <laughs> but when you set those numbers, and let's start right at the top when you have a sure. fighter like uh, with Dustin the Diamond Poirier against the champion here, uh, Bronx Charles Oliveira, we know how popular Poirier is now because of those two wins over Conor McGregor. Do you set the line thinking that, of course, the public, while the UFC fighters, uh, fight fans, certainly know of Oliveira, we know the casuals really look to the diamond
7: and say, oh, yeah, that's the guy that beat Connor twice. Absolutely, 100%. You have to do that. You have to factor in the public because, let's face it, after he got those two Ws over Connor McGregor, I mean, the most popular fighter in the world, in MMA at least, right, mm-hmm. in the sport. So he gets two solid wins, and the way he went about them – He's a household name now, right? So everybody that's wanting to get action down, they look at Dustin Poirier's name, they see him as a small favorite, they want to hit the window. So you have to kind of increase the odds a little bit expecting that action to come in public.
6: And we see now that the diamond is minus 140 here with the champion, New Bronx, plus 120 in the comeback. Is that the way you've seen it so far here as we sit on a Friday 24 hours away? Is the money coming in on the diamond?
7: Yeah, there's public and sharp action coming in on Dustin Poirier, and sharper action is coming in on Olivera. That's why it's kind of keeping the action where it's at right now. So there's going to be a lot of 2 action. But again, it's more the public and sharp side that's going to agree with a Poirier. But there's a lot of, like I said, contradicting and resistance opinion on Olivera's adult.
6: No question about it. I mean, you can see how evenly matched these two guys are, and the, the odds obviously reflect that, Nick, with what you've said here at Circus Sportsbook. Let's talk about the total rounds in this one, too, and if you're starting to see action on that. Because, again, it, it feels low to me. At one and a half here, but obviously you're setting those numbers for a reason. Have you seen any two-way action coming on yeah, this? Yeah,
7: we've seen a lot of two-way action on this fight. Uh, on this particular round total, I should say. Because it is set at one and a half. It's a five-round title fight for out loud You're thinking to yourself, there's no way. Only one and a half, only seven and a half minutes. But the finishing potential either side, though, is so great that a lot of people realize it. And we are getting more action on the under still. That's why it's keeping it kind of at bay. But we will see, again, some public action, I think, hit the over a little bit because it's such a low total. It's kind of an eyesore. And,
6: again, you see how juiced it is to the over at minus 185. And to your point, I I go, man, how in the world could this fight get done in a round and a half? But then you look at the way these guys have gone out there recently. They've gotten these fights done quickly. Like Bronx in his last outing, really impressive against Michael Chandler, got that fight stopped early in the second. And, of course, we saw what happened with Conor McGregor and the Diamond didn't even get out of the first round. So, again, while it feels like juice to the over at minus 185. You are seeing that action come in on the under.
7: Yeah. Ultra dangerous. And, Oliveira, he hasn't been in those championship rounds ever either, no. right? So this is going to be his kind of first test towards that direction. But again, a lot of people aren't expecting it to go that way. The Oliveira side is just, he's so dangerous offensively with the submission skill. And of course, the knockout power that he has. He showed it in Chandler. That's always improving. And then Poirier, man, he's just he's got that special. You've heard other fighters say it. He's got that sting on the end of his punches, mm-hmm. right? It feels a little bit different when you get hit by Poirier. And it, of course, he's got a submission game to go along with it. So and just awesome fight.
6: Again, and when you look at the Diamonds resume here, when you beat the Justin Gatehees, you beat the Conor McGregor. You've been in with the bibner Manga Madoff. People will get that and go, the pedigree is there, but certainly Oliver with those 17 finishes, the most in the UFC. That's, he's got some yeah. credentials to go there as well. Cannot wait to see that fight, and obviously that's why you're seeing that two-way action. Let's get the co-main event, and again, boy, when you have Amanda Nunes on a card, it's hard to call it a co-main because she is the GOAT of women's MMA, and at some point, Nick, we might stop saying women and just say of MMA. That's how great the resume is for the legends and the Hall of Famers to be, that she's just knocked out in her path of destruction here as the two-time champion at both 135 and 145. Of course, this is going to be fought at 135 pounds here in the Venezuela Vixen, coming in at plus 650 with Juliana Pena. I know it's got to be hard to get action on Pena because obviously people go, well, there's just no way that Nunez isn't is going to lose his fight. She hasn't lost in years now. I believe she's gone about seven years here
7: without losing a fight. Are you seeing any action on the underdog? We are. When you have such a big price, especially in the female bouts, of championship title fights that we see, I mean, the lines are always. Shaded so high towards the champions, even the Shevchenkos, right? Right. You see the lines kind of shaded to the point where you don't want action on the favorite, right? They parlay him, though. The public will come in parlay. So we do get automatic action on the dog. We know that. So if anything, the line tends to drop on those fights a little bit because we are getting flooded with so much dog action. Mm. So you got to be a little careful. But again, like you said, she's the GOAT. It's hard to believe that she's going to lose a fight like this. I mean, she's so good. It's an uphill battle for Pena for sure. So you got to kind of increase the odds there.
6: And Nick, I got to think it's circa just looking at the odds and ways to victory here for Amanda Nunes. When you look at KO, TKO, or DQ, minus one sixty-five. Does that feel like the the type of plays you're going to see more on because people just don't want to lay that huge number?
7: Yeah, this is a type of fight that is going to get a lot more prop action because of that. Exactly, it's glaring. The high number is glaring, so people are going to look at the props and look at submission, look at KO. A lot of people with Nunes is going to kind of look at the KO side more than anything else, right? So we are going to see that line kind of continue to increase as we go because we're going to have to adjust, and there's going to be more public action coming in that way for sure.
6: Then I can understand why you see 28-1 to 1 for Juliana Pena to, to win by KO, TKO, or DQ. Probably yeah. not going right. to happen, just saying, but that's why you see those, those long posted odds that we see there. I, I do want to jump around a, a little bit on this card because, Nick, as we mentioned off the top, it is so deep, and you do have former champions on here. When you see name fighters, certainly like a Dominic Cruz, and you know, you can make the argument one of the best we've ever seen at 135 pounds in the history of the division, and you see him on the card here, and I know he's an underdog here so far. When you set that line, do you see people go, whoa, Dominic Cruz is an underdog. I got to back him.
7: Yeah, that's exactly the case there, too. So Munoz could be a little bit higher, but he's not because of that spot, right? Because Dominic Cruz is going to get the respect, one of the all-time greats for sure. But it's 2021. Right. So you have to kind of sink reality in a little bit and have to adjust the line. So, again, Munoz could be a little bit bigger of a favorite, but we are getting that action on Dominic Cruz. A lot of people are going to hit the window and bet on him as well. So you got to kind of adjust for
6: that. Plus 100, and you see Munoz there, minus 120. And the amazing thing to me, and Nick, you and I have talked about this on previous shows right here in First Strike, is you got, well, Cruz has got to be like 50. And, you know, Munoz <laughs> is the young kid. You look at it, the ages are almost identical yeah. here at 36, 35. So maybe not as long in the tooth for Dominic Cruz as we all like to write some of these fighters out to pass here. Another former champion making his debut uh, down at 125 pounds, which I cannot believe, is Cody Garbrantz gets Kai Kara Franca here in this one. So again,
7: another former champ in a different division. Are you seeing action come in on Garbrandt? We did early on, but as the fight kind of climbed up, it, this was one of those cases where it opened relatively low and then it got bet up. It got steamed up by early action, and now it's come back down because a lot of sharps are hitting the front side, Ah, it, which I think is, is probably right and accurate because you are seeing a lot of... Concerns about the Garbrandt weight cut, right? Mm-hmm. And on top of it, when he does tend to lose and he has difficult times, it's kind of his chin that lets him down. So 125, I think a lot of people are believing that chin might be a little bit worse. So in France is kind of one of those underrated, under-the-radar type of fighters. He's got a lot of power and he's got a lot of skill. So we've seen a flood of sharp action bet this line all the way back down to where it is now.
6: Hey, it is fascinating, too, because, again, when you looked at the, the two guys in the weigh-in, it looks like two different fighters in different weight classes for a reason with Garbrandt coming down here to 125 pounds. And I wonder just how much, if, if the, the general public doesn't know about of France, I think it is reflected in the numbers that you put there. There's a lot of respect here for him, even though Gaurabran is going down in weight and making his debut in this division. So there are some numbers there uh, if you want to get in on that action. How about uh, Julian Paiva going up against the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley in this one? And this number kind of stuck out to me because you look at the Sugar Show, and I want to see only minus 310. Because I think, you know, until the Marlon Vera fight, people looked at him as the, the, the second coming, if you will, and maybe somebody's going to dominate this weight class at 135 pounds. Are you seeing any action come in on Paiva at all?
7: We're seeing more action coming in on the favorite, obviously, O'Malley, because of the popularity, right? Because that's why the line is hovering around minus 300 or so. The line should be probably a little bit tighter. I mean, Paiva, even though he's coming up a weight class, he settled in, had that win over Phillips in this weight class, right. by the way. But a lot of people think that he's going to be kind of undersized, and he is. I mean, if you look at the tangibles, the reach advantage for O'Malley, he is going to be the bigger fighter for sure. But Paiva's going to be one of the toughest fights for him to date. So I'm looking forward to this one for sure. But the more action and the more parlays, of course, not a surprise, are coming in on O'Malley.
6: You know, again, I, I just I look at the, some of the fights on this card. Even when we have like a Josh Emmett against Dan Ige. Okay. I mean, that that could be a main event, a you know, standalone Easily. fight in and of itself. So again, Nick, as we keep going down the road here in the UFC, and I know, I know that boxing is still boxing. When you get a big fight, that's a, are are we now seeing educated fight fans that go, my goodness, we got Ige and Emmett on this card. You know, I got to get in on that action.
7: Yeah, no, no, for sure. And especially because of some of the wars these guys have been in, right? (laughs) Like, they see, I know there's a, a, like, personally in the office, there's guys that are starting to become more UFC fans as we watch the fights, right? And Emmett is one of uh, my guy, Andrew Palumbo, if he's watching right now. Uh, he's become his favorite fighter because of the wars that he's been in and, and the ability that he does have to perform. So, yeah, these guys are gaining fans at a rapid pace because of the ability to perform at a, such a high level. So it's awesome to see that, and people are recognizing it for sure.
6: Ige, as the underdog at plus 135, are you seeing any action coming oh, on him? Oh, for sure. you got to see
7: action on Ige, especially with the layoff from the Emmett side, the injury, you know, the concern there a little bit, too. We're not sure exactly how he's going to perform coming back from something like that. A lot of fighters... Seem to adjust fine and, and be okay with the rehab and everything, and, and there's no issues at all. But other times, there is somewhat of an issue. So I think a lot of people are still concerned, and that's what's keeping the line kind of close as well. And we are seeing two-way action there because, obviously, the popular side is going to be Emmett. I mean, he's just been on fire before that, you know, kind of layoff or whatever, right. that injury. Um, and Ige kind of, you know, that junk loss, I think, kind of brought his stock down a little bit. But this is going to be fireworks. for
6: sure. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about UFC on the line here because you do a great job with that. On UFC Fight Pass, tell the people about what what they're gonna get when they watch you on UFC on the line.
7: Well, we. Take out we uh, take on the whole card, excuse me, um, from top to bottom, and, and we make our best bets. Me, Yanni, the Greek, of course, and Brendan Fitzgerald. We have episode available right now on UFC Fight Pass. UFC on the line for UFC 269. So you get our best bets, some prop bets available as well. It's just a great show. You guys got to check it out.
6: All right, Nick does a great job right here at Circus Sportsbook. All these numbers you see behind us, this man puts them up here and does a very good job at it. Nick, always appreciate the time and the Love Being here, thank you guys. Enjoy the fight card, UFC 269. All right, don't go anywhere. We got much more to get to. Finacaro, we got Jordan Sherwood, we got Ricardo. On. Come on back. It is First Strike right here in VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford
8: our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have
4: to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
3: Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard hitting episode today, a lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists.
0: You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human.
3: This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You too.
0: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo.
6: DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action during UFC 269. For UFC 269, make a $1 money line bet and pocket $100 bucks if your fighter simply lands a punch. Just use the promo code VEASAN. When you sign up today, DraftKings Sportsbook bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Dave Ross, right back here on VSIM. This is First Strike. It is always a pleasure to have Lou Finicaro joining us right now as he does each and every week here on First Strike. Of course, you got to follow him on Twitter at Gamblu and he has a fantastic pod, the Bout Business Podcast. Lou, great to have you back on. Uh, you Look, you know I'm excited for this fight card. I know you are too. UFC 269, when you have two title fights, you can't go wrong when you look at the star power we have. So let's go right to the top of the food chain here. And let's look at New Bronx charles Oliveira against the diamond Dustin Poirier here at 155 pounds. Oliveira comes in as the champ, but he is the underdog in this one. What do you make of this line? And I know you watch those weigh-ins. What would you glean from it?
9: Well, uh, all four fighters in the two main events were the first four fighters on the scale. That's exactly what you want to see. They're there for business. And uh, they're to, they're there to fight. So uh, no real advantages there. Everybody looked fit and fine. As I handicapped this fight, uh, I really believe that you're paying a tax on Poirier for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's just got done with two fights with Conor McGregor this year. And that catapulted him not only financially, he and his family, but it also catapulted him Uh, in his name value, recognition and fame throughout the MMA world and beyond. So he's gotten everything he has really worked for, and now he chose those fights first. Now he chooses uh, to go for the title, and I just caution you to try and make your bed too fine. Sometimes as the Stones say, Dave, you can't always get what you want, and I, I think that it's those two five-round fight camps, the physical and emotional tax that it's taken on Poirier that is going to, I believe, affect him in this performance against a guy in Oliveira that's longer, taller, as fast, going to be able to work in a larger octagon, and surely has advantage on the ground.
6: But sometimes you get what you need, Lou, to your point here. And I look at the the over-under, at, at juiced heavily here, at one-and-a-half to the over here at minus 185. So they're double-dog daring you uh, to take the under at plus 150. Are you nibbling in that direction at all, Lou, or do you think that this fight goes deep into the Vegas night?
9: Yeah, as I as I checked these totals before coming on with you, Dave, now most of the outs, most everywhere, even in Las Vegas, are lining this fight as well, two-and-a-half under minus 140 because they've got so much pressure on the over one and a half in the first in the in the first round because uh when the one and a half came out that open minus 135 shot right to this 185 yeah so uh it, i'm going a long way in saying that that bump in rounds i think is warranted and I still think over two and a half plus 120. Now you're talking my language. I do like that.
6: Yeah, I know you like to get that plus value. I'm right there with you. I think that's a really good handicap there.
9: Uh, let's talk about
6: uh, Howie piva here against the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley, back in the cage. And, you know, you look at Sean, and, and we get it, Lou, right? He's marketing himself, and he's got the flash. He's got the panache. He's also got the requisite skill that I think could be a real player long-term in this division. Now, I know that you don't want to lay that minus 310 that we're seeing right now. Is that too high for you or do you think even for the Sugar Show is there any other way that you might find value in this fight?
9: Well, uh O'Malley is an, an unbelievable talent. However, I have a couple of concerns about him as he continues to step up in class and Pavia is an absolute two or three notch step up in class over the gentleman that he just fought last, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but it was a decision fight, and the kid, actually the uh, the ref stopped it with just seconds left, but O'Malley worked in volume. He's not the most powerful striker unless he catches it a, with a, a spinning kick, and he is flamboyant, he controls distance, and I believe if spoon-fed in a judicious process, he does have top 10 potential in him. That said, this Paiva just beat Kyler Phillips. Kyler Phillips is a 135-pound fighter that fights out of the MMA lab. He's a teammate of Sugar Sean, and Phillips and Sean go at it pretty good, pretty evenly. So I don't think we should be underestimating Paiva. and the way I look at this fight, it, in essence, I do believe Sugar Sean's going to win. But of course, I wouldn't take that minus 300. I won't take minus 130 on most occasions, Dave. But if you have some props and and these Fan Duels and, and uh, some of these other outfits, uh, Paiva goes the distance plus 130. I think that's a very strong consideration because I'm not sure, sure that Sugar is going to be able to get this kid out of there Tyler Phillips was not. Even better, fight starts around three. Now you have to go into the prop sections, but it's Friday, the day before the fight, and these are all available to us now. Fight starts around three, minus 115. I would encourage uh, listeners to go to either one of those opportunities because I think it gets there.
6: Yeah, much better value if you like the Sugar Show here in DraftKings to go to the decision or at least the fight to get to the decision uh, Lou, as you're pointing out right there. Okay, later on in this program, we're going to have Ricardo Lamas on, and, and I know that's going to be a point of a contention with one fighter that we're going to bring up right now, Lou, and that is Ryan Hall, a guy that uh, Ricardo, uh, he's just, he doesn't like him. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't even know if he's going to show up for this fight here, but if he does show up, he is a big favorite here over uh, Derek Minner here at minus 200. Uh, the comeback on the challenger here is plus 170. What do you make of this matchup?
9: Uh Ryan Hall, I mean I call him Stan Laurel because that's who he reminds me of when I when I look at him. He's the quirkiest, oddest guy. However, he's as singularly dimensioned and acute in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as Damian Maya was. The issue with Hall is he doesn't have Damian Maya striking, and Damian Maya striking wasn't even pedestrian. So, you have just a very one sided athlete in Hall against a kid in Minner that is going to have to stay away. Uh, Minner is Glory MMA, and Glory MMA is a really excellent grappling camp, but everything they teach is single leg, and everything that plays into Hall's game is a single leg attack. So, this is going to be a chess match with Minner, but I think he's going to have to keep it standing. When he does go down, stay on top, then bounce right back up. But I think Minner's live here, and I wouldn't have a problem taking a flyer on him. I like his camp. I've I've watched him fight. He's a Nebraska kid. He's scrappy. He's just going to have to stay away from engagement with Hall.
6: I know that Ricardo would take plus money that Ryan doesn't show up for the fight, but I don't think that prop is out there. Uh, let's get to a couple other fights, Lou, that we have here in our remaining minutes here. And we got a couple former champs on this card. We have Pedro Munoz taking on the Dominator, Dominic Cruz, back in there. Plus 100 for the former champ here, and arguably some would say uh, maybe the greatest in his weight class. I think that that is debatable uh, certainly these days. Lou, what do you make of this matchup here? Because, again, the ages, it's not like Cruz is so long in the tooth compared to Munoz.
9: That's really a great point. He's only a year older, 36 to 35 or 35 to 34. It's right there. Um, and prior to weigh-ins, I would have told you that I really thought that from his last fight, Cruz looked like his legs and uh, athleticism stayed with him. And then Munoz with Tyrannosaurus Rex reach, he has very short arms, was going to have some trouble with Cruz's movement. Uh, that said, Cruz looked pretty weak and wan and drawn on the scale today, and I know these guys make uh, recoveries quick, but at this age, uh, a guy like Cruz at 135 that really needs those legs, I got spooked off him a little bit. I might lean to Muno's based on what I saw on the scale out of Cruz today.
6: Yeah, I love the way that you can, certainly, and that that is a big deal that people just don't take into account, I know you do. And that's why I love getting your bird's eye view when you watch those weigh-ins as closely as you do. Uh, Kakara France is an interesting name here, plus value here, plus one twenty against another former champion at one hundred thirty-five pounds, a guy that beat Dominic Cruz, of course. Cody Garbrandt lights out, uh, no love, rather coming down here to one twenty-five for the first time ever. He, he's a small favorite at mi- minus one forty for for no love here. What do you make of Garbrandt in this spot?
9: I'm inter- I'm interested in him. Uh, he's he's going to be massively larger than. Kai Kira, France and what Garbrandt had at 35 was speed and quickness if he can translate any of that down to this weight class I think he holds dynamic advantage he opens minus 175 he's been bet down to minus 135 minus 140. My tactic here would be to be quiet wait and see if it drops a little uh, lower but really Starbrand minus 140 is an acceptable
6: price right now. Yeah, absolutely. you got to check out his podcast, About Business Podcast. Of course, follow him on Twitter as I do at we we'll Lou, always appreciate the time and the information, my friend. Enjoy the fights.
9: Thanks, Back Dave. Here. You do a great job with this show, and we really appreciate it.
6: Thank you, sir. It is Visa in the Sports Betting Network. And back here on First Strike here on Visa and Dave Ross alongside with you, Ricardo Lamas is going to join us later on in this hour. And after the show on YouTube, check it out. Going to have a little special with Reed Kuhn breaking down these fights analytically as well with some of his best bets that he sees at UFC 269. But it's always great to have Jordan Sherwood join us. ESPN Chicago. Follow him on Twitter as I do at woodon 1063. Jordan, cannot wait for this fight card, man. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. Let's get right to the top of the charts here with Charles Oliveira. DuBronx here, the champion, but yet he's an underdog against the Diamond. I think we can understand why with the popularity of Dustin Poirier coming off those back-to-back wins against Conor McGregor. How do you break down this fight here, Jordan? And first of all, do you think it's a long fight? And which side do you lean to here?
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a great fight. It's a spectacular fight. I agree that Dustin Poirier should be the favorite. I mean, in my opinion, he's kind of the rightful champion, but opted to have that second fight or that trilogy fight, if you will, with Conor McGregor, then get a chance to fight for the championship belt. So he should be the favorite. Um, I I think it's going to be a a, a quick fight. I don't think it's going to make it to the championship rounds. And it's because both of these guys are, are, are finishers. I mean, 30 finishes between them in the UFC 17, for Oliveira 13 for Dustin Poirier, and the winner of this fight, in my opinion, is going to be the one that is able to dictate the fight and dictate the fight early. Clearly, Dustin Poirier, in my opinion, has the advantage on the feet. He's got uh, outstanding boxing, obviously, great cardio as well, could put together solid combinations. Charles Oliveira has evolved as a fighter, he's evolved as a Muay Thai practitioner, but obviously, his bread and butter is jiu jitsu. It's in the grappling, it's in the submissions from all types of areas. The problem is, is that Dustin Poirier hasn't been submitted like in a decade. And he's only actually, he's only been submitted once in a decade. And that was obviously by Habib Nurmagomedov, who might be the greatest grappler of all time. But here's the thing. There's something special. There's something unique going on about Chalo's Oliveira, particularly in the last two fights where he was able to overcome what has been his kryptonite or has been, you know, something that's caused him issues before. And that's a shaky chin. He was done in that first round against Michael Chandler, survived. And goes on to knock him out in the second round. Fine, if you don't buy that, what about what he did to Tony Ferguson? Mm. He, he you you pulled a post for three rounds in that fight. Again, maybe you're maybe you're arguing Tony Ferguson lost a little bit in that Justin Gagey fight. Michael Chandler has a losing record in the UFC, and everybody else that Charles over has fought is not in the top fifteen. Fine, the guy is the greatest submission artist that I think we've ever seen, and that's <laughs> including Damian Maya. That's including a guy in Hanayaya we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This guy gets submissions out of everywhere. So I'm going to bank on that happening. I'm going to bank on that happening at some point. He's going to come up with some sort of submission within two and a half to three rounds. So I'm leaning Oliveira. And Honestly, Dave, I wouldn't be surprised if Dustin Poirier gets the finish via TKO. But I I think the stronger plays in the under at two and a half but I'm going to lean Charles Orvera because I think he's something special is going to happen with him tomorrow night.
6: If he gets submission number 18, that would be plus 300 for new Bronx to remain. And still. To your point, Jordan should be an amazing main event right there. You've got some fights on this card that you've uh, pointed out, Jordan, that I really like because the the card is obviously so deep; it's so talented. When you got Andre Muniz taking on uh, the Pride of Alabama, Nick Saban's own uh, Eric Anders on this fight card, and Anders right now getting plus value here. How do you see this one shaking out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Muniz right now is on a on a meteoric rise, in my opinion. The guy just broke Jokarai's arm, so that's (laughs) extremely impressive, and this is a guy that know has 14 submissions to his credit. And you know, Eric Anders, you know, obviously extremely nice story, you know, coming from Alabama, transitioning to mixed martial arts, but you know, ha- has never been in there with a guy that, you know, has a submission, the grappling acumen uh that Andre Munoz has. And, and albeit Eric Anders could land one of his bombs and, and Andre Munoz could could certainly go out. But I but I think this is going to come down the grappling. I, I think at some time Munoz is going to be able to to, to get this fight to the ground. And then it's his world, his world to control Eric Anders. And I think he's going to get a submission victory. I think that's what we're going to see play out in this fight. I think it's plus money on that as well, like plus 170 uh, for him to do that, or plus 140 there you see there on the screen. But like you know, bottom line is, is you know, Muniz is not going to win the fight by knockout. He's going to win the fight either by submission or, uh, you know, three-round unanimous decision. But I just think that's a bad recipe for Anders. He really hasn't impressed me lately with the couple of wins that he's had against Mirshar, against Mejia. So I'm going to take Andre Munoz. I think he gets the submission number 15 uh, in this fight against Eric
8: Anders,
6: all right, let's talk about a fight that I don't think anybody expects a, a submission from. That's Augusta Sakai taking on Tai Tuivasa. Look, I was there in Chicago at the United Center with Tai Tuivasa. Got a big win, and then he did a shoey right in front of me. with somebody just throws him a shoe, he puts a beer in it, and then he chugs it out. Is he going to
1: be doing a shoey again after Saturday night? Well, first off, how, yeah, how could anybody not want this guy to win? Just see him drink a beer out of a shoe. I mean, and several. <laughs> it's not just one. It's right. literally like three that he has uh, if he's victorious. Look. Um, who's gonna land a bomb first? I mean, uh, both of these guys, obviously with heavyweights, anything could happen. Augustus Sakai, you know, definitely looks solid, but then you know, questions about his chin, questions about how upper echelon is he with losses to Alistair Overeem and, and Jaziro Yo- Rosenstruck, and you know, Ty Tuvasa looked good. He took a punch. He, I mean, he took a haymaker from Greg Hardy, uh, withstood it, and then knocked him out. His last fight, I think that happened. I, I think the same thing happens. I think Tatuovasa too athletic. Too much of a bully in there. He's going to push Augusta Sakai at some point up against the cage, get that separation, and land one of those bombs. Knockout, shoey time for Tai Tuivasa. So, uh, yeah, probably safe to play the under, uh, you know, in that fight because both guys are just going to come out looking for the knockout. But I think Tai Tuivasa is just a safer play because uh, I think Augusta Sakai now, we- we've seen the best of him His chin is suspect. Take the guy with the heavier uh, hands, and that's Ty Tuivasa.
6: Yeah, I'm right there with you too. Though it is intriguing to see plus 130 there for the under with the guy with the way that 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 Ty Tuivasa likes to get guys out of there and get to that beer. We'll see if it's a quick night on Saturday night. Talking about of France, we talked a lot about this this fight. It's very intriguing when you look at the uh, former band and Weight champion, uh, No Love Cody Garbrandt, coming down to flyweight now for the first time at 125 pounds. Small favorite over of France, and again, you look at the weigh-ins here, Jordan. They look like two guys in two different weight classes. What do you make of this matchup?
1: Yeah, I, I was I was leaning, uh, you know, Kai Carter France as a confident selection throughout fight week because I thought Cody Garbrandt was going to revert back to the guy that we saw going on that one in three skid. He tried to wrestle his last fight at Bantamweight against Rob Font, that did not work. So I think he's going to go to what he knows, and that is, you know, you know, boss the wall. Try and get a guy out of there early and go into a firefight. That's a bad recipe against a guy in Kaikara, France, uh, you know, who is obviously a flyweight stalwart, you know, good punching power comes from a good camp. But here's the thing, as you just alluded to, Cody Garbrandt looks massive uh, at, at flyweight. So does his power transition, does his speed transition to a, to a weight class, guys are going to be at a similar, uh, you know, speed as, as him. And does he go back to wrestling? Because look, Kai Car France was was getting outworked in his last fight against Voteron until he landed a bomb in that first round and got the win. So for me, I, I'm going to lean Kai Car France, but I'm not as confident as I was earlier in the week, seeing the weigh-ins and seeing just how large Cody Garbrandt has, and and, and still believing he might go to that wrestling. And if he does, oh, it's going to work all day against a guy like Kai Car France.
6: I'm going to make a bold prediction: if Cody Garbrandt gets the win 125 pounds. Henry Cejudo's name somehow comes up. Just throwing that out there. I just think that you might see the return of Cejudo at some point. Uh, when you look at Bruno Silva, he's a big favorite against Jordan right here. But you have another way maybe to attack this fight to get some better value. What do you like?
1: Yeah, look, it's 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 the under in this fight. It's Bruno via, Bruno via knockout. Look, Silva has 18 knockouts in his mixed martial arts career. 18 of his fights have hit the under at one and a half. Uh, you know, right. the same type of formula, guy that I think has gone, you know, the under uh, fights have ended in the first round at, in um, what, 13 of his fights. So, like, and, and he's not going to prevent any or present any wrestling uh, that Bruno Silva is going to have to worry about. So, the fight's ending in the first round or the first round and a half. <laughs> I, I don't see how it goes. That, and it's going to be Silva. So, Silva via KO, Silva via TKO, you know, don't see him doing a submission. I think that'd be really obscure, but. Under one and a half. Could both these guys get out of there quick? And Silva via knockout uh, would be my sol- my, my selection, my, my play in that one. Fun fight for as long as it lasts, for sure. All
6: right, another minute to go here with Jordan Sherwood, ESPN Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at WoodOn1063. Uh, you know, I know that a lot of people are going to go, Sean O'Malley, it's a big number, it's minus 310. I'll just throw it on my old parlay there to get a little
1: bit better value. You think that might be fool's gold? Yeah, yeah, look, I'm just, I'm just not a big believer in the, in the sugar show, and, and I think he's been spoon fed opponents, uh, you know, to some degree. He's got, he, he's, look, he's got outstanding knockout power. Uh, he's long for the weight class, and Paiva's, you know, a guy that that couldn't make the flyweight weight, so he went up. But he looked good in his first fight in that division against Kyler Phillips, a guy that was the favorite, and I actually would handicap Kyler Phillips as a closer underdog then the odds would indicate in a matchup with Sean O'Malley. So I think I think it's worth it to throw some some coin on Paiva because of how well-versed he is. He's never been knocked out in his career. He gets stopped, but never been knocked out. So I think it's worth it. Likely O'Malley wins, but why not throw a flyer on Paiva? I think he's, he's getting disrespected in this fight.
6: Yeah, minus 310 for a live dog might be way too big a number. Hey, Jordan, always appreciate the time and the information. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch up again soon. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll come right back here on First Strike on VEASAN. Oh, Ricardo Lamas, the bully, is going to join us next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford
8: our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look
4: at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
8: Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on
3: Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree.
6: DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action during UFC 269. For UFC 269, make a $1 money line bet and pocket $100 bucks if your fighter simply lands a punch. Just use the promo code VEASAN when you sign up today. DraftKings Sportsbook bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. Eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Dave Ross back with you. It is First Strike right here on VEASAN.com. And I always love having our next guest on. He is the man they call the bully. Ricardo Lamas, one of the baddest men on the planet at 145 pounds. We find him to be a nice guy as long as you're not named Ryan Hall and trying to get in the octagon uh, against him on a given Saturday night. Ricardo, when you get to a fight like this with two title fights on the card here, does it ever tempt you to say, you know what? Maybe I want to throw my hat and get back in the ring.
8: It always tempts me, Dave. I think it always will to the day I die. But, uh, you know, you got to know when your run is up. But never say never. So uh, I say I'm retired, but I like to keep everybody on the edge of their seat.
6: They should, just in case Ryan Hall wants to actually fight you this time. We'll get to Ryan in just a second. He is on this card. But let's start right at the top here. Again, when you have Dubronx, a man you know very, very well, Charles Oliveira, Uh, and he's trying to be now, he is the champ, but he's the underdog in this fight against the diamond Dustin Poirier, since you beat Oliveira, if you were cornering Dustin Poirier, what would you tell him to do what you did?
8: Um, you know, that he's, he's improved since then. You know, it's been a few years since I fought Oliveira. I know that he's uh, he's gone on a heck of a run. He lost one more time after me, but then after that, he kind of hit this stride. And I think that came because he was, he was very young coming into the UFC, so he's had a lot of time to grow up. He's had a lot of time to improve as a fighter. And it's really showing off, especially in these last few fights that he's had. I've been very impressed by, by his uh, performances that he's put on. Um, but there there are a few things that, you know, Poirier could take away, actually, from some of my fights against other people as well. Um, one of the things being the calf kick, right, which worked very well against his fight against Conor McGregor. But that's because it was southpaw versus southpaw, and the outside calf kick was there. Now it's southpaw versus orthodox. If, he, if maybe he were to go back and watch my fight against Diego Sanchez, he, he would learn how to kind of throw that inside calf kick, which if used correctly, it hurts even more than the outside.
6: You are the king of the calf kicks, and that is not just hyperbole. I know, use that noggin of yours. All right, Ricardo, so when you look at that here, how do you plan this fight script here? Because again, I look at it, to your point, Oliveira's gotten a lot better Uh, Since you beat him, obviously, when you have 17 finishes in the UFC, the most in UFC history, we know he wants to do that. I know he knocked out Michael Chandler, but you got to think for Oliveira, that's the key, right? Use that BJJ?
8: I would think that would be the safest bet for Oliveira going into this fight. Uh, Dustin is war proven. He has been in some knockdown drag out wars against heavy punchers like Justin Gagey. Uh, like Eddie Alvarez, and, and he's come out on top. He takes he takes those punches very well. He has been known to get caught sometimes. Like If you go back to his fight against Michael Jackson, Johnson, he was caught. He was TKO'd. He was put out in that one. So that that chance is there. But if Charles Oliveira wants to take that win and put it in his pocket, I would definitely take the fight to the ground because if we look at Dustin Poirier in recent history, his last loss was due to submission against Amit Nurmagomedov. And that is Charles Oliveira's bread and butter. So, if I was Oliveira, I'd be looking to take this fight to the ground, 100%. Ricardo, I love
6: having you on the show. Obviously, you've beat the current champion at 155 pounds in the co-main event. You've trained with the man of Nunez and also with the Venezuelan vixen Juliana Pena, who now resides in Chicago, where you still are, my friend. So, when you look at this fight, and obviously we get it why Nunez is such an overwhelming favorite in this one, but let's talk about the challenger first here in Juliana Pena. Do you think she might be able to actively get her down to the ground and make this a wrestling contest.
8: Yeah, you know, in, in MMA, I, I give Penny a puncher's chance, 100. Um, if she can manage to gas out Amanda Nunes, we got to remember that Amanda is, is kind of used to performing at a higher weight class. 135 is a bit of a cut for her, but she looks like she did it the right way. She looks in shape. She was looking cut at the press conference. You know, she's uh, go almost going shirtless there, kind of showing off <laughs> the abs. So. Looks like she's been working with her nutritionist, got down the right way. But I think Juliana Pena still needs to test that cardio and push the pace in this fight, try to gas Amanda out, and maybe take her out in the, round, in the later rounds by making this an ugly fight and making it a, a kind of a brawling fight. And that's kind of the way that Juliana Pena fights anyway. So if she just stays true to her style, gasses out Amanda Nunes, she does have a chance of taking it.
6: Well, you know when people, they, they don't want to lay minus 1,000 with Amanda. So they look at the KOTKODQ at minus 165, and you look at Nunez and you look at the resume, right, when she's knocking out Chris Cyborgs at 145. Of course, we all know what she did to Holly or to to uh, Ronda Rousey and to Misha Tate at 135 with those sensational knockouts. It, it, can you see, is that the way that, that Amanda wins this fight is with her striking again? Because, Ricardo, again, you train with her in many different disciplines here, but her hands have gotten so much better as time has gone on.
8: Yeah, they have. You know, her hands, her calf kick are two of her biggest weapons that she uses in a lot of her fights. If you watch against Cyborg, she was using that calf kick to kind of set up her, her punches and her overhand. So you take the feet out from un- from from under somebody, they move a lot less, and it makes it a lot easier for you to hit them. Um, so I would think that, you know, her striking is her bread and butter. we got to remember that she is a black belt in BJJ also. And, you know, she, she did win by submission in her last fight. So um, I, I wouldn't say that winning by submission is going to be impossible here. I would say that the classic Amanda Nunes is going to go out and try to knock her opponent out.
6: Yeah, minus 165. But again, submission for Amanda Nunes, plus 400, very interesting there. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper down this card here. Jeff Neal obviously had some issues uh, coming into this fight against Santiago Ponzinibbio here. Uh, pretty even right now for the odds makers out here in Las Vegas. Ricardo, how do you see this fight playing out?
8: Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with the odds makers here. This one's going to be a toss-up. Um, if I were to lean towards somebody, I would lean towards Ponzinibbio because he's been here longer, he has more experience, and he's a great fighter. He's been on a hell of a run, so Uh, He's only lost once, I think, in the last seven fights of his. Um, He's kind of on a a, a great run himself. Uh, He really impressed me in his fight against Miguel Baeza, where he was able to dig deep, battle through some some kind of bad spots, and come back and get the win. So I think the newcomer Geoff, is maybe you know not as battle tested as Ponzinibbio is, and that's why I'm kind of leaning towards him in this fight. In an evenly matched fight, I'm leaning towards a guy who's been in wars and who's able to pull through. And get the
6: win. I right, got a couple minutes left here with the man they call the bully, Ricardo Lamas. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Ricardo Lamas MMA. Uh, let's talk about Kai Kara France here taking on Cody Garbrandt. No love coming down from 135 to 125. We've seen different fighters do this in the past, and sometimes that power doesn't translate. Do you think it translates for Cody?
8: I think it does translate for Cody. You know, I don't think he was cutting too much weight to get down to bantamweight, and he held a lot of power there. So I don't think the cut is that dramatic for Cody to make. Uh, again, you know, he he works with, with a nutritionist. I think he did it the right way. And I think he his power will come down into the flyweight division.
6: Okay, Halim uh, Paiva is a big underdog against the Sugar Show here in Sean O'Malley. Uh, you know, hey, he's got a lot of hype. Marlon Vera didn't uh, hear all that hype. He took out the Sugar Show uh, not too long ago. What do you make of this matchup? Is there more danger here for the big favorite?
8: I don't think there's too much danger. I think Sean O'Malley is kind of a smart fighter and he will pick the guys. You know, he does like the Mayweather, I like to call it, right? He picks his opponents that he knows that he can beat and that he won't have too much trouble with. Um, especially, you know, if he's coming off a loss to kind of regain that momentum and and get the fans behind him again. I think he's gonna choose kind of a tune-up fight for himself, which is kind of what I'm seeing in in this matchup here.
6: Okay, Ryan Hall is on this card, Ricardo, and it's not against you, but it's against Derek Minner, and he's a big favorite, minus 200. Ryan Hall going to make that ring walk in 24 hours?
8: It seems so. I I think so. You know, the weigh-ins are done. He weighed in, and, and the fight is on, so I think, you know, again, Ryan Hall's coming off a loss. I think he wants to kind of wipe that out of everybody's memory, come back on a win, and then he could kind of play off that for another three years, and Before he fights again So uh, I think we'll see him fight tomorrow And uh, you know I I think he might pull this one off
6: Okay about 20 seconds to go If he calls you out If he gets the win Would you come back Under that scenario
8: (laughs) We'll have to see man We'll have to see (laughs) UFC has got to bring this
6: Got to pay my guy Ricardo Alonzo to get him out of retirement. (laughs) Ricardo, always appreciate you being with us here on First Strike. Again, uh, Reed Kuhn is going to join us a little bit after the First Strike episode wraps up right now. But I do want to thank Ricardo, thank want to thank Lou Finocerro, and want to thank Nick Kalikas, and of course Jordan Sherwood as well. Enjoy UFC 269. It's First Strike right here in Veasan, the sports betting network. This is First Strike right here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. A little bonus coverage for you today for our YouTube watchers. And it is great to be joined, as always, by Reed Kuhn. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Fightnomics. Does a great job analytically breaking down the fights. And, boy, Reed, what a card we have at UFC 269. Cannot wait for this uh, showcase of talent that we have. And, of course, when you start off at the top and you've got uh, the, look, the co-main and the main event, of course, we've got straps on the line here. In those ballots, let's go right to 155 pounds. Let's go with the champion, New Bronx, Charles Oliveira, a small underdog against the diamond here, Dustin Poirier, coming in at minus 140. When you look at this fight and you run the models, what does it say? Is this accurate? Should Poirier be the
2: favorite? I agree with it, uh, but I would say that you don't want to pay too much for Poirier uh, because we've got Charles Oliveira, who's one of the best finishers, just natural finisher, his instinct His ability to snatch a choke, the guy's probably going to set some records. He's still relatively young, already the champ. Um, So clearly he has a chance to win, and his most likely path is by submission. So I wouldn't go too far past where the current line is. I do think there is a little bit of value left on Poirier, just if we're looking pure win probability. Uh, So I am leaning that direction. I'm hoping that he keeps it standing, he keeps it at range, and he does what he's been doing lately, which is just outstriking excellent strikers. and so. Oliveira against any but any other fighter might have a chance on his feet as well, which is what made him so good and put him in the spot to win a title. Uh, but here he wants to use his submission game. He wants to get close. I think Poirier is smart enough to get out get out of that range, and so I'm willing to pay a little bit of a premium for Poirier. I think
6: it, it's really good uh, a breakdown there because I, I don't see a scenario, to your point, where Oliveira, even though he did knock out Michael Chandler here in dramatic comeback fashion in that second round, I don't think that's something he wants to try with the diamond with what we've seen the last two outings there, utilizing those calf kicks uh, against Conor McGregor effectively to get those knockouts. So let's see if Oliveira can get this down to the ground, to your point, if he can't. Maybe the diamond, there still is some value right now at minus 140. Let's go to the co-main here. And again, you got the Lioness, you got Amanda Nunez. you've got a huge number, minus 1,000 that we're seeing right now at DraftKings. Juliana Pena here, the Venezuelan Vixen, the comeback, plus 650. That number has gone up through the week here. So it's been hard to, to get people to back the challenger. When you run those models, is there any life and any signs of hope here for the big underdog?
2: Not based on the current numbers. Um, <laughs> I, I will say it's kind of insane to, to be breaking down a matchup at this point in the card, but we have seen this before with Amanda Nunez. She gets to be a runaway favorite. It's probably because everybody's throwing her in parlays. She's kind of a lock, low value if you're betting her straight up, obviously. Um, but when you're looking at an asymmetric situation like this, I'm looking for something, some particular skill in the challenger that gives them a chance. And that's not really Pena's style. She's not a one-punch knockout artist. She's not a submission specialist. She's actually been tapped twice in her last four fights. Uh, That puts her at risk. She's more of a grinder. She clinches. She holds people down. Uh, She's not exceptionally accurate or with any knockdown power. Um, Not a ton of submissions. She does have some. But that's not threatening to someone like Amanda Nunes, who is a true two-level athlete. She can knock people out the best in the business. She can submit people on the ground. I think people forget that she came from jiu-jitsu before she became such a good striker. So I see this as a Nunez fight. I don't see anything that jumps off the page with Pena that says, oh, that could be a wild card that she plays. Um, Nunez has been in five-rounders plenty you know, for, for a long, long time at this point. She's only fighting the best of the best. And the numbers still like her based on those performances. So Pena coming from lesser competition, the numbers still don't give her credit for that. And I would have to discount it beyond that. So I'm definitely leaning Nunez here. The question is, is when? When did she get the finish? Um, does she get it early? Does she get it late? I think there's a lot of value on the submission prop. I was surprised to see such a difference between a TKO prop and a submission prop running north of plus 300, at least at the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. I, that might get bet down as people bought it. Uh, but I, I see her getting a finish, and I'm willing to sprinkle a little on that that high return submission prop.
6: It's amazing, right? You look at Amanda Nunes, plus 400 to get a sub, because I think most people think, well, she'll knock out. Juliana Peña and the pathway that which is minus 165, TKO K O or DQ. But to your point, Amanda Nunez on the ground. People have forgotten because she's had all these classic knockout wins over the Misha Tates and over the Ronda Rouseys and over the Chris Cyborgs. You do forget her pedigree certainly is on the ground. So to, I'm right there with you. The only possible upset is Peña wrestling and grinding it out. And to your point with the models, that doesn't look like a high-probability scenario, that's for sure, and that's why we're seeing those huge numbers. Uh, let's go right down this main card because, Reed, it really is a, a great card as we close out the final pay-per-view of the year. Jeff Neal, obviously very controversial, getting to uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio here with kind of his uh, out-of-the-octagon issues leading up to the fight. But if everything goes off without a hitch, make and making weight everything's good so far. Uh, pretty even fight on paper. What are the numbers showing you?
2: Yeah, it also shows up kind of even. Now, if I, if, if I ignore the out-of-the-cage stuff, uh, it does look like an ever-so-slight lean towards towards but which is, depending on where you shop, I don't know if it's a pick or maybe like a minus 120 for Nibio. It, it depends. Um, but it is a very slight lean towards Santiago. I think when I look at the numbers, Jeff Neal is a very accurate striker, but he's also very low-paced. And we saw it versus Wonderboy. He just couldn't get a rhythm going. He just got picked apart by Wonderboy. Um, And neither of these guys are really big on the ground, although Ponzinibbio does have some finishes there. So I'm leaning towards Ponzinibbio. The guy has nine career knockdowns. He took a long time off. He's making his return, really kind of getting back in his groove. Um, So maybe he's had that warm up and he's going to fly a little straighter this time. I'm backing Ponzinibbio ever so slightly. I got to respect the fact that Neil is very, very good. And he, you know, that, that outing versus Wonderboy is against the title caliber guy. So um, can he rebound here? But what is he doing outside the cage, getting arrested a couple weeks before a fight? Um, that's also a wild card. So I'm glad I'm not backing Neil here, but this might just be a pass for me overall. All
6: right. Enjoying the conversation here with Reed Kuhn. Follow him on Twitter at, at Fightnomics here. This is First Strike on VEASAN. Let's keep going down the card. You got Cody Garbrandt, former champion, 135 pounds, making his debut at flyweight at 125, taking on Kai Carr France. And we know that Carr uh, France is probably going to want to wrestle, but Cody Garbrandt has a pretty good wrestling pedigree as well. hasn't really displayed that recently in the UFC. Uh, you wonder about the, the the power if it translates down to 125. How do the models forecast a guy that used to be a power player at 135 coming down in weight?
2: Yeah, it, it introduces a bit of risk into the situation because we're not really accounting for that. We're looking at these guys apples to apples as if they earned the same metrics and the same weight class. Um, so initially, when we run the model, we think that there's some upset potential with Kaikara France. And uh, I think it was because we're looking for him to outpoint Garbrandt. When you look at Garbrandt, yeah, he had unusual power, power for his size. He has 10 career knockdowns in the UFC alone with a knockdown rate per punch that is well above like middleweight average. So clearly, he had the power. To your point, does he keep that power 10 pounds lighter? I don't know. It, it doesn't always work for folks. And his style is reliant on the power. Um, he does have a slower pace. So I'm actually predicting a little bit of a striking duel here. I don't think Car France is going to take it to the ground any more than Garbrandt will. Uh, I think they will test each other at range, and it's going to be more the precision and pace of Cara France versus that big power of Garbrandt. If he doesn't get the bomb, I think Cara France could be live on the cards. Now, in a three-round fight, I'm also less concerned about is fatigue an issue, is cardio an issue. I think these guys will go three rounds, but Garbrandt also cutting weight, will he be able to go three rounds as hard as he could before? That's also a risk. Um, so there there are some confounding factors. I am going to try to make a small play on Kaikar France here, um, and I'm getting a little bit of plus money on it, so why not?
6: Yeah, and again, to your point, if this is a stand-up fight, right, and, and we know Garbrandt's chin sometimes has been tested in the past too, hasn't always passed that test, plus 300 KOTKO or DQ for the challenger here, Kaikar France is the underdog. That would be very interesting. Uh, I don't think a lot of people forecast that, but again, if you see a stand-up fight, there could be some some value there, plus 300. Uh, Howie Ampaiva is a very interesting name here going up against the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. We understand why Sean is such a big favorite. He's a fan favorite, obviously. Minus 310 is what we're seeing here. When you run those numbers, is that too big a favorite?
2: <laughs> um, well, first of all, let's acknowledge some of these numbers from Sean O'Malley. His accuracy is... It- as long as we have some threshold for like at least having three or four fights in the UFC, his accuracy is arguably the best in the entire UFC. He lands his power punches with 58% accuracy, basically more often than not, he's landing a big punch. That is insane. Normal numbers are like 30 or below in that metric, which is a very important metric, the power hand. Um, He's also very sharp with his jab. He also actually uses an aggressive pace and outpoints people um, or outpaces people while putting in that precision and not taking too much damage on his own, uh, at least with head strikes. Now, conversely, like, like let's acknowledge what a good striker he is. We do, we do think he also has some slick ground game. We don't see it very often. Sometimes he just picks people apart. Now, Paiva looks much more average across the board. Um, he does, however, spend a lot more time in control on the ground when, when he chooses to go there. Sean O'Malley, I think, maybe had to give it up there was that leg injury and in one fight that might be skewing the numbers here, but bottom line, I'm left acknowledging Sean O'Malley as the likely winner uh, and a big favorite. I don't think it should be minus 310 though. I think there is some brand recognition that could be inflating that line a little bit. If anything, I'm going to sprinkle on the underdog here. I'm just not willing to pay minus 310 for O'Malley. Um, I I backed an upset when he fought, I think it was Marlon Vera, yeah. uh, and he lost that fight. That paid off. So when you're betting against hype in the long run, that should be profitable because they're bound to slip up somewhere. Um, this is one of those places. I think I'm going to take a tentative play in Paiva. Again, don't necessarily expect that bet to win, but if you're going to give me north of 200 on that, I'll take it.
6: Yeah. You're, great point about Cheeto Vera because he was a big underdog against the Sugar Show and we saw a lot of tickets pe- cashed that day for Vera. And I know people, a very profitable scenario there as a huge underdog in that fight. Again, you look at Josh Emmett taking on Dan Ige. This could be a main event fight in and of itself. This is on the prelims here, Reed, at how deep this card here is at UFC 269. And Ige,
2: the underdog in this one, the models bear that out? No. Actually, uh, I, I the models actually kind of like Ige here. Uh, you're right. It is an interesting situation where... Um, this could have been a main eventer on a, a smaller card. And these guys are down on the prelims, along with Dominic Cruz. It's kind of crazy how stacked this card is. Uh, but Ige, yeah, he he is the more accurate striker. He's very feisty. I think he's been outranged a lot. And this is one of the rare fights where he will be the younger and longer fighter, which is unusual for him. Um, I feel like in his fights against Calvin Cater especially, he was just outranged. And Chan Sung Jung, also pretty rangy striker. He just couldn't close that distance. That won't be a problem here. I think we're going to see these guys really go after it. Um, And I like Ige at plus money. His line was actually even bigger earlier in the week. um, And it's come down a little bit. So I'm a little disappointed about that. Uh, Only sprinkled on him early. But when the limits go up, I think some big players are coming in on Ige.
6: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Reed. And I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. I like Dan Ige in the spot as well. But that could be potential sneaky fight of the night, I think you're right. These two guys are going to stay in a trade, see who gets the better of whom. We mentioned Cody Garbrandt, a former champion on this card. Of course, the Dominator, Dominic Cruz, he and Cody Garbrandt, go, uh, their history has been well-documented. The Dominator here, plus 100, against Pedro Munoz here. And again, you always think that the Cruz is the much older guy here, just one year older than Munoz here. Uh, is this as even a fight as it appears on paper, or do the models favor Munoz?
2: The models actually kind of like Cruz here. Uh, the problem is that he has been so inactive over the last three years. I look at what is in his you know, last five-year history, and it's not a whole lot. You actually have to go way back in time and look at a fight where I think it was against Uriah Faber, um, or no, Cody Garbrandt way back in 2016 as his last like, within the five-year span. So we're looking at his performance against Henry Cejudo and then his win against Casey Kenny, which was a respectable win. Um, we know what he's capable of. He has a very particular style of striking that is lots of combinations. He doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't even have a lot of accuracy, but he befuddles his opponents with all this weird movement and weird entrances that he comes in. So the question is, is can Munoz time that right and use his power? Munoz absolutely has the power advantage. Um, and you're right, Cruz is on the, on the wrong side of 35, which is kind of my cutoff for where age is a factor in cumulative knockdowns. He hasn't taken that many. Cruz has only taken three knockdowns. Uh, But Pedro is a hard hitter. He's got to be careful about that. Now, it's the wrestling where normally Munoz is pretty solid on paper, but Cruz is going to be the more experienced wrestler. Assuming he's healthy, assuming he's at peak, Cruz can win this fight. I think he has a chance to win this fight. Um, I am a little concerned just about the, the absences and the long layoffs. It doesn't make my sample size very big for this one. I'm approaching this kind of as a newcomer fight, like someone just barely qualifying for the model. And I have a lean. I'm not going to go nuts. Uh, but I'm actually liking Cruz here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sprinkle a little on him.
6: Okay, well, no truth to the rumor that if Dominic gets his hand raised, he's going to fight uh, Daniel Cormier next. Those two guys have a little bit of beef. Uh, let's talk about Augustus Sakai here against Taitui Ivasa. You get the big boys going to bang it out here. And this fight appears rather even on paper. What do the numbers show you?
2: Yeah, this is a stylistic difference. Um, Tuivasa, Sakai, you got power versus pace. Sakai is going to have the jab. He's going to have the combinations. He's going to be trying to engage, but I think it's Tuvasa who's going to have a huge power advantage. Sakai is not a one-hitter-quitter. Tuvasa is, absolutely. And he's pretty crafty on the inside. When, when things get mixed up, he, he lands some shots that don't look like they're big windups, uh, but they put people down. So I think Tuvasa is going to find that opportunity. you got three rounds, two guys who basically never take takedowns, uh, attempt takedowns even. There's only been one landed between their combined careers, which is kind of nuts. So we know they're going to stand. And Sakai is willing to stand. I think he's going to eat it at some point. I think Tuvasa is going to be too much power for him. Uh, Tuvasa might take some pressure. And it might look like he's backing up, or look like he doesn't have the upper hand in terms of the combinations, but eventually, I think he does catch him. So I like Tuvasa here. I think three rounds is plenty of time to hope for a, a big hit, a big hit and a knockdown, maybe a finish. Um, but Tuvasa is definitely my guy here. All
6: right, and if he wins, he's gonna do a shoey. That's just what he does. I always feel bad for the fan that gives him the shoe. When he drinks the beer, then you got to put the shoe back on and wear it home. That always seems like an odd situation. Uh, Reed, when you look at this card here, out of all the fights we've already discussed, is there another fight on the card that your models really favor?
2: Well, it really favored Jillian Robertson. Unfortunately, so does the market. Um, so the way I've been approaching that one is saying, you know, if you need someone to parlay Amanda Nunez with, look at Jillian Robertson. She has massive advantages on the ground. She is one of those fighters who likes to be a stifling wrestler. She spends a lot of time on the mat. And then on the other hand, you have Quechuera who has she, her, her ground control number is 6%. Ooh. Okay, think about that. Average would be 50. We've got, you know the majority of the time for Robertson being on, in control on the mat and then someone who is really not used to being there. Um, so Robertson will absolutely close the distance. And I think she wrestles this one, maybe even gets a submission. But for sure, she is parlay fodder.
6: All right, minus 410 right now for Jillian Robertson. But the numbers do not lie. Uh, Reed Kuhn, always appreciate the breakdowns here. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Fightnomics. Uh, enjoy the fights, Reed. And again, I can't wait to have you back here on First Strike on Visa. All right. Fight. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be a great card. Again, want to thank everybody for joining us here on YouTube. But don't forget, each and every Friday, right here on Visa, it is First Strike We got all the angles for all the fights each and every week. Enjoy the fight card. We'll see you next time.
3: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool.